So I want to become a dog trainer. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop together. Hey, Hello. Hello. Welcome to another barks from the bookshop. <laughs> What's happened to your voice? I've gone old York. Is that Yorkshire? <laughs> I don't know. I like doing little um, accents every now and again. I thought I'd throw one at you. Thanks. Kilter. How are you? Nat, I'm very my sister behaviourista. I'm very good. Oh, oh, before we continue, hang on, take take one headphone out for a minute. Okay. I've got a surprise for you. I've made you a theme song. Oh my goodness. I'm not sure how long I can how many times I can use this. Oh it's my already goodness. annoyed Corin. Am I gonna need it as my ringtone? Yeah, of course. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. One, two, three, <laughs> <my> sister! <laughs> 
Yeah? <laughs> you like that? That's amazing. I thought just every time you talk, we could proceed it with that. I want to come on every speaking engagement I ever have to that music. Thank you very much. I'm glad you like it. Um, um, I might just throw it in randomly on the podcast um, sometimes, especially quite, if you say something intelligent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we won't hear it that much then. <laughs> I'm speechless. Thank you, man. That's okay. It's and no I, again, I haven't even come up with a nickname I've for come you. up with one. Uh, trainer Mansplainer. I quite like that. Okay, yeah. It rhymes. <laughs> But you don't you don't do mansplaining. mansplaining. I mean, I try. Okay. Any opportunity, you have to I be get. more annoying and more arrogant and more <laughs> bloody minded. What's been going be... on in your world anyway, other than having a whole theme song written for I'll you? I tell you what, what's been going on in my world. Go. Rain. Rain, yeah. And mud. And mud, yeah. Oh, and towels. Towels. And towels. And washing vet bed and washing dogs and yeah, I I can't think of anything else. How's Drax? He's all right. Yeah. Yep. He had a good galump this morning. Um, he's doing okay. And at time of recording, I am getting ready for a webinar oh, tonight, yes. aren't That's I? Exciting. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try and super fast edit this. So there might be a small possibility. You oh might my goodness. Hear, you might hear that before. Wow. And then, then you could tune in, couldn't well, you? Well, it's going to be recorded anyway. So oh, well, if, there anyone, you go. if anyone wants to go and have a listen to me prattle on about my big dog, um, then uh, it will be there in the APBC. Library. I think it'll be awesome. I hope so. Yeah, it'll be great. I put together some nice videos all spliced, which is like from day one to... Really? Yeah, because it's 200 well, days tomorrow. Okay, you're editing. I know. Oh, we should do, well, do video. iMovie, isn't it? It's easy. <laughs> it does it for you. I'll tell you what else went on. Yeah, what you've been doing, sorry. Oh, Brighton. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. We I went completely to Brighton, forgot we? we had the best day. We went to see uh, Stuart Lee, the comedian. Bloody awesome. Amazing. It was amazing. I haven't laughed that much for a very long time. No, I, I I was splitting my sides. It was brilliant. Yeah. So we went, um, we uh, Corinne was there and Jay was there and we went to Brighton. Brighton's like a, a shining beacon in the middle of a very, very dark world for yeah. me sometimes. It's, it's beautiful. It's It's got a, a green uh, a green party um, MP, one of the only, the only places, is it? Oh, I don't know. Jay will tell me off if I say the wrong thing. <laughs> Just pretend you didn't ask me that. Um, <laughs> it's It's got loads and loads of, uh, those of you that don't know, me and uh, Nat uh, are vegans. And when you go to Brighton, you ain't got to worry. But we're nice vegans. Don't yeah, we? nice vegans. Not militant. We're not yeah. going to come around your house. and No judging. No judging. Zero judging. Well, not, not live anyway. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, um, and in Brighton, it's one of the only places where you can go into a pub or restaurant or cafe, pick up a menu and not sort of like have to thumb through to the... Ve- it's like the other way round. It's lovely. It's like it's just a really cool place. I feel like I came out the blocks a bit too keen and ate too much to start with, though. I should have done little dishes everywhere. I, I picked wrong. I did the worst thing. I picked wrong... I, Made bad choice and then I had food envy. Two words for you though, banana blossom. I know. So so Nat had a, what was it, banana blossom? Well, it's called not fish and chips, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's like this banana blossom stuff, which I'm not entirely convinced what it is still. I need to do a bit of Dr. Google. Um, but it's vegan. It's, it's not an animal product. No. Um, and then they put like a, a, a sheet of seaweed in it so you get that saltiness and then they deep fry it which everyone knows everything tastes great when it's deep fried anyway and this banana blossom has like the flaky um texture of the fish would it was weird wasn't it It but lovely really nice i always find if you find like a good uh like alternative thing 
and it tastes and especially texture wise quite similar to the thing it's supposed to be quite disconcerting the first couple of bites but then suddenly i'm like blah, 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 blah. yeah exactly and, <laughs> gonna eat and you get over it like you think hang on a minute is this actually fish there, yeah someone? there's some sausages like that and i think like is someone pulling a fast one and doing a, a del boy Be- peckham spring <laughs> with just cheap old banger sausages and saying they're vegan i'm sure there are processes involved that that could not happen but but it was lovely. It was it was lovely. It was Down a really by good seaside. Day. It didn't rain. Um, a few cocktails were had. A few cocktails. And, um, uh, saw some nice doggies. Yep. Saw Stuart Lee. It's a brilliant moment uh, at the start of the second uh, part of Stuart Lee, where someone had their phone out and he came running. It was right near us. Yeah. And he came wandering over, and because it was right near us, we could hear what he was saying. He's like, "Give me your phone." The guy's like, "No." He's like, "Give me your phone." He's like, "No." He's got. I'll walk out of here, and he went to walk out, and, and everyone he, was booing. Yeah. I mean, it was peer pressure in action, wasn't it? It was quite And then he put the guy's phone down his pants. Down his pants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just glad I wasn't happened to be checking on my dogs at that moment. (laughs) Because let's face it, I am a little bit addicted to checking in on them. I mean, you checked on them 300 times before that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd spent the whole break (laughs) doing it. (laughs) <laughs> but if you haven't heard of Stuart Lee, or even if you had, check him out. I mean, it was called uh, Snowflakes, I think the, the thing was... Snowflake was, was the second one. I can't remember what the first no, one was remember. now. Tornado. That was it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, that was Sharks. Anyway, yeah. well, no spoilers, because it was very, very good. So, on to pressing matters then. Today, episode... Four. Four? Yeah. I'm, get, I'm getting confused now. Four. Just about to say we've gone into double digits. What's wrong with no. my brain? <laughs> It feels oh, that long Lord. when you're in a room with me. Taxi Thanks. for Steve. <laughs> um, episode four. So we are, we are looking at the amazing book, Being a Dog, The World from Your Dog's Point of View by... Our friend, friend Karen, Karen Wild. Um, well, you know Karen a little bit better than I do. So, have a, yeah. Karen's amazing. I, I first met Karen um, through the APBC. Um, which is a, a, a membership body that we're um, both part of. Um, she's also a, a CCAB, like me, um, and she's brilliant. She was actually one of my um, mentors when I was doing my super advised experience to become a CCAB. So I have I've learnt from her and been critiqued by her <laughs> and um, watched her do lots of different presentations and read all of her lovely books. Um, so it's a pleasure to have... Um, this on the podcast yeah and to grand. speak to her we yeah to her as well. yeah because we do have an interview yes <gasps> da, da, da. which is brilliant and the book is awesome um i think you can take it as read that any book that we're going to put on here is going to be awesome in our opinion yeah. anyways but we'll, we'll still we'll just still tell you it's awesome yeah um it is it, it's it's a big book it's got loads of pictures in it it's a great like a, again like a one-stop shop for everything you would need to know about your dog so we'll, we'll get into it a little bit um a little bit more so um yeah buckle up here we go why read it so why should we read it steve why should we Ah, oh, well yeah i mean you brought up a really really good point earlier on when we were going through we do try to structure these by the way it's not just off the cuff like it sounds sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we sit down and have a meeting don't we oh yeah <laughs> But we also like the organised chaos vibe. Yes, yes, yes. It's the way we roll, you know? It feels more like our actual lives. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So why read it? Why read it? Well, I think um, people should have this book on their bookshelves um, and uh, maybe not sit down and read it all in one go with a cup Mm -hmm. of tea like some of the other books that we've we've looked at 
um, would be. Um, I think this is a really nice um, kind of bridge between academia and normal life gossip mags. Okay, <laughs> so um, and I hope Karen won't mind me describing it that way because what you can do with this book is you can thumb through it and you know find bits and learn bits, um, but use it a bit more like an accessible textbook um, where let's say great aunt Nora writes something on Facebook about um, I don't know something obscure and you can go well is that true though I'm yeah. not sure and while well, they're rather going to Google where you're going to get weird and wonderful <laughs> yeah woo um, you can go straight to your copy of being a dog and go nope Karen says no um, because what Karen's done a fantastic job of doing is bringing together all of the um, the kind of science and the the research and the evidence that we have on a range of different issues uh, to do with dogs um, and put them in one place very handily yeah and uh, also um, when we spoke to her as well, she talked about the fact of all the other people that have been involved. Patricia McConnell was one that we talked about. So she's got loads of other people involved yeah. and, and, you know, looked at their, the stuff that they've worked on as well. Standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, that yeah. sort of thing, which we all yeah. like to do, I think, which is great. I, I think one of the best things, my, my why I read it is, unlike any other book I've written... And um, I think Karen said that it was the publisher's idea. We'll hear in the in the interview yeah. anyway. But um, spoilers. <laughs> it's written as if it's a book that was written actually for your dog. So talking talking to your dog about the experience of being a dog. That obviously human would read it. I'm, I'm hamming this right. Yeah. Up no. No. The, you're not. You it's hard to I, describe. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like if your dog was reading the book. It's it's talking to you about well, you know, why your human might think you do this. It's very clever. It's really, really clever. And it's not something I've seen before. Um, you know, obviously... You no, not without books. it being a bit twee. Um, yeah. You know... Um, it's done but, very well. Yeah, I mean, the subtitle is your the world from your dog's point of view, isn't it? And, that, and, and that's, that's how exactly it's written. So, it yeah. Exactly it's, what it it's is. It's a really nice um, twist on it and makes it... Um, not that the, the writing is dry at all, or all the content, but um, fundamentally like i say it's an accessible textbook really you know accessible. it's a it's a good um piece of reference material that you can either sit down and, and look through and you know look at the pictures um as oh, you go I love pictures yeah i know the infographics that. are amazing <laughs> it's great it's tables is yeah. oh, yeah. little uh, photos uh, illustrations everything that the, so you've got the little bit of text and then you've got something all pretty much it goes with everything just to explain it so whether you like looking at the visuals or you like the reading or you do the both there's something for everyone in this book yeah, it's great something definitely. for everyone in this book there you go That's yeah, yeah. quote Steve <laughs> Goodall there's something for everyone in this book <laughs> Steve Goodall you can put that on the back of your next book yeah. there you go <laughs> I'll charge your account no you pricked my eye another one right in the eye right in the eyeball and speaking of eyes look at this link Look at this seamless. It's almost like you planned it. <laughs> Shh, don't give away my secrets. Um, pricked my eye. As ever, loads of things. Loads of things. Caught, pricked, stabbed my eye. That was a bit violent. Tickled? Tickled my, tickled my cornea. Eyelashes. Tickled my cornea. Um, loads, loads and loads. But actually, the thing that pricked my eye when I was looking for a prick my eye was something about eyes, which oh. is something that I think... Um, well, I, I learned something from reading it and something that I think a lot of people uh, uh, 
still there's a lot of talk about um i said we talked to this about karen as well but about whether dogs see in black and white i hear that mm-hmm. quite a lot um and this was just helping dispel the myths bye bye myths and um and teach me why dogs do some of the things that they do along their eyes yeah. um one of the interesting things i've made some notes everyone me Hang reta- on, Steve's getting sciency. <laughs> Me retaining this information. I haven't been able to go over these notes with a red pen yet, so <laughs> the accuracy of them may be in question. It's just I love Steve's for 300 <laughs> times in Is various different... Writing your own signature. <laughs> Stephen Practicing. Goodall, Mr. Stephen Goodall. <laughs> so here we go. I've, I've written some notes. Um, so basically what it comes down to is cones and rods. Now, yep. cones and rods, um, the amount of cones and rods that you have depend. Uh, D- dictates whether or not you're a, a dick, a dick, <laughs> you're a dichromat, dichromat. Good, I'm glad you hit one. <laughs> can I edit that? No, I don't think that's I should. Staying in. Or we'll just do a spoiler. A dichromat, a dichromat, or yeah. a dichromat, or a trichromat. Yes. And what tri- do die and cry, try mean? Die as in two. Yes. Try as in three. Well done. Dick as have in a little, something, something different. Have a little the other sticker. one, isn't it? <laughs> no, dicks more related to rods. I'm guessing. <laughs> God Almighty. Um, <laughs> That's going to spit a tea out. <laughs> I, I just take a big glug of my tea then. Steve oh gets science in. Um, human beings, we are the trichromats and dogs. They're the other ones that I'm never going to say ever again. Um, <laughs> what does this mean? So your dog your dog has uh, um, real trouble distinguishing between certain colours. Um, uh, the, the two colours they have, have real trouble are red and green. Mm-hmm. So if you were to throw like a, a red ball onto like... Uh, a green playing field, your dog might really struggle to see that. What they are really good at doing is their peripheral vision is amazing. Um, and where human beings, where they can they can sort of pick something out and focus on it, like really zero in and focus on the detail. Dogs aren't that great at doing that. So what dogs do do sometimes is move their head from side to side if they're trying to focus on something, which I thought was quite interesting because ah. sometimes I read that as um, as there's sort of like an, eh, what, what do you mean? What, 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 what? And it's very, very cute, isn't it? Yeah. But actually there might be a scientific explanation as to why they do that. Um, and they have a strip down the back of their retina, which is where they focus all of that detail on. So they have to move from side to side. But it makes them brilliant at being able to pick up movement which is obviously handy if you're a predator of some description. Um, Also, the fact that they can't see colours doesn't really matter with them because they probably evolved more to hunt in dusky type light so when when colours aren't so prominent. Because, Because, sorry, favourite word alert. You're going to say dick. No, No, dogs are are crepuscular. Crepuscular? Isn't that a good word? Go on then, I'm going to write that down. Means they're active at dawn and dusk. Active at dawn and dusk. Crepuscular. Is that, is that because um, you might as well chill out during the, the heat of the day? Is that yeah? Yeah. I suppose so. Sleepy, sleepy time. I mean, yeah. Crepuscular. Crepuscular. There you go. We've all learnt something now. Yeah. Um, I like that word. But yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. It's very interesting. That pricked my eye. Yeah, I'm not yes. surprised it did. Even to the point, and this is, and this is actually something that um, that. I love about doing this is I we talked a little bit about eyes last night in my puppy classes, Aww, so I was able to good. like take a bit of that information in and then throw it out. Didn't use that word in my puppy classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe steer clear of uh, di- dichromatic future. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> I I've got to go and teach. I should phonetically write things down yeah. from now on. I think. <laughs> 
<laughs> so what pricked your eye? What pricked my eye? Well, uh, oh, loads. But I have to pick one thing. Yes. Um, and so I really like the section, I guess because I'm kind of living it at the moment as well. And it's part of our daily life working with dogs anyway. Um, but um, there's a section on living with other dogs and group dog interactions. Um and there's some stills because obviously um, books can't have videos in yet, but one day they will they by will the magic of the future. Um, but um, it it just resonated with me because a couple of weeks ago there was a really good video, and I can't I cannot for the life of me remember who it was by or who it was posted by, but we can find it hopefully and put it on our yeah, Facebook that'd be page. Cool. Yep. Um, and uh, it's a really nice subtitled interaction of some dogs at an American dog park. And it kind of shows a little German shepherd puppy getting herself into um, gradually more and more oh, trouble with a couple George of colleagues. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm really not sure. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll dig it out and, and find it. And I apologise to whoever it was uh, that I'm not crediting you properly, but I will do when we post it. Um, but there's a really nice section in here about um, looking at the body language of dogs in a group. So Karen's basically done what this video is doing with a still rather than a, a moving um, picture. Moving picture. I sound like I'm from the forties. <laughs> it's one of those black and white moving pictures. Um, and, um, and so it just explains. And I think that um, if if we all could be a, could uh, had the skills to look at a group of dogs interacting mm. and kind of be a little voice for each of the dogs, then we'd be able to resolve a lot more conflict than actually goes on. That's what I do in, in our puppy conversation things. I, thought in, I love it. It's my favourite part of the week. It's just You like the narrator? Yeah, I imagine that I'm like David Attenborough or someone like that, and I literally <laughs> just walk around just giving a, a, a you know, a blow by blow account the of floor what's going them. on. I could do, can I? <laughs> when it's a bit drier and less muddy, <laughs> yeah, I will yeah, be maybe down not on the now. Floor, and that's not a problem I whatsoever. I think we need a video of that. But it's so it's so lovely, so mm. it's brilliant, and it's great just watching these little conversations happen, and, you know, yeah. and then also being able to tell people like this this might be a point where I would step in here, exactly, yeah, uh, you know, because you know this dog's getting a bit bullied at this point, or you can see by the body language and not you know not appreciating the the advances of said yeah. doggy, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's lovely, it's really really. Good. I guess it kind of it maybe is more prevalent in dog parks or in puppy class situations because if people feel that they're there with the intention and motivation of socialising their dog mm. and their dog having fun, they can end up maybe forcing their dog into situations that yeah. they can't cope with and maybe not following them out away from the main group to have a break. It's a tough um, one, isn't it? Because it sort of ble- bleeds into that idea that, I mean, this is a topic for another time, but that socialisation window versus vaccinations and how much time you got to do it and people, yeah. I think people feel like under a lot of pressure and that can make you put your dog in situations where maybe it's not appropriate sometimes and always I, I always say you know what's my dog learning from this is this yeah. a purposeful I can't remember if I got that phrase from I'll nick it from someone else but purposeful positive experiences are the sorts of things you should yeah, be that's looking good. for yeah I always like that yeah that's yeah. good so you guys have been well and truly pricked by that then yeah? yes they were they good. were they were pricked away awesome well let's roll on then okay whoa it's the greg wallace moment (laughs) (laughs) so there it is there's the uh the the brand spanking heart of the press greg wallace moment i'm in two minds here do we explain it or do we do we leave it out there and see what people think Oh my goodness! It's become a thing between 
between us lot, though, hasn't yeah. it? It's kind of a... Between our, us and our buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should leave it. I like it. I like the yeah? idea of leaving it out there. Okay. Yeah, you might be able to... For those of you who know who Greg Wallace is, happy days. I mean, we've got listeners in Norway, so I'm not sure whether... Um... Well, here we go. YouTube, search, <laughs> Greg Wallace. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, this is replacing our one thing uh, section. So basically, um, this is going to be our new section. The Greg Wallace moment is going to be things that we've seen in the book that we really think are massively valuable, things that you should take away with it, with um, with you from this podcast. And when you read the book, obviously, there's loads of other stuff all through this book that you can mm-hmm. take away with you. But that, that's the idea of the Greg, the Greg, I said it, the Greg, Greg Wallace moment. Wallace moment. <laughs> that's the idea of the Greg Wallace moment. That's quite a mouthful. It really is. Oh, I didn't think Just about say it, wow. Wow. <laughs> a wow moment. Um, so, um, Nat, you were going to talk about, um, what was it, page 118? I was. Mm. Um, because um, that section is... What can you change? And it basically looks at uh, two principles, habituation and desensitisation. And I think that dogs, people with dogs that have not shown any sensitivities or reactiveness or whatever word you want to use um, to a thing would benefit from this page. But I also think people that are experiencing reactivity, sensitivity to a particular thing um, with their dogs are going to benefit from it because it really simply and and eloquently and with the help of a lovely infographic um, explains the principles of um, habituation and desensitization um, and I think what I try to do with my clients is um, to kind of give them the groundwork and the understanding of how how we actually change um, emotional responses to things or, or the way the dog might act in certain situations um, and this section of the book does that brilliantly I mean to be honest all of it does yeah it's a it's a really good um, book for that kind of stuff where you just want a good a good grounding to go off and skip into the distance with your dog really um, but I I picked this section just because um, I think that one of the fundamental sort of myths that are still perpetuated a lot is that where we've come so far with positive reinforcement training, I, I think a lot of people have grasped the concept of my dog does something good, I give them a piece of food. Yep. Therefore, I cement that behaviour. Yep. Yeah, it's likely to happen again. Whereas when we're working with behaviour issues and maybe the dog is barking because they are fearful or they're aroused or whatever, um, people kind of get stuck and yeah. they they are worried about using food in those situations because they're thinking that the same um, parameters of behaviour change apply, and that if they give their f- dog food in that situation, that um, that might cement that behaviour and make it worse. Yeah, and it's a really simple concept. It's just how it's put across. Yeah, um, and I think the the book and this particular section on desensitisation does a really good job of explaining that and the concept of thresholds and um you know not putting your dog into situations that they can't cope with and and that that is a a flooding experience um 
So they're all these buzz, buzzwords, really, but they're kind of demystified yeah. in this section. I use thresholds a lot. That's mm. one. Of, yeah, that's one of the words we use. I think it, it's, it's, you're right. You get that that mental block comes up, doesn't it? You know, your dog's barking. You're like, oh, oh hang on a minute. Do I get their attention away and then give them a treat? But is that reinforcing the barking? Yeah. Oh my god, what am I doing here? Before you know it, yeah, you know, yeah, it is a tricky one. It really is, and I kind of understand how people arrive at it. Oh my goodness, completely. And we talk so much about the other side of it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so it's. I start a lot of my consults with kind of explaining the difference between using food to um, influence how your dog acts and lo- using food to influence how your dog feels. Yeah. And you know, obviously they're intertwined, yeah. but it kind of gives permission and takes away that that mystique almost of using food when your dog is barking. Depending on why they're barking, that's just a simple explanation yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that sometimes was a really you good see session. people sort of go, "Oh, thank you for that," yeah. you know, and they, yeah. they think, "Oh, okay, I can do that." That was because yeah. it feels. I think that your your instinct is to do that, but then the mental block comes up, and yeah. you're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." It's and tricky. I, I also think, and and this is going back to the threshold section here as well. You know, when um, uh, maybe people that use food um, in training or behaviour work are criticised, maybe thinking, "Well." Um, uh, when he's in that state, uh, uh, food won't cut it. He's not interested in food. It's yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I know that. Yeah. Because if I was being chased by a <laughs> axe-wielding maniac, I even I wouldn't stop for a sandwich. I might stop for I a would. Greg's Corrin vegan would. steak bake. Corinne <laughs> <laughs> would stop for a sandwich. She would definitely a, axe murderer. A pint of Aspel. Yeah. I'm there. I'm there. Um, I'm going out happy. Um, but <laughs> you get the point. So, and And that's where it comes back to these thresholds these thresholds and the the process of desensitization um and that learning can only really take place kind of in in those realms yeah yeah definitely definitely that's a really really good one well, I hope so. Oh, my, my Greg Wallace moment yeah. is about punishment pitfalls. So on page one hundred and eighty of uh, of being a dog, there's a there's a great bit about punishment and pitfalls. And the reason that I wanted to bring it up um, is again, I think a, a big misunderstanding. I think again, I think we're talking about um, how far positive reward based training has come. Um, and most people that I meet uh, don't use or don't want to use punishment with their dogs. Obviously, there's still a few out there. Um, and I think people understand the one side of it. So they understand the fact that you can cause, you know, fear and pain when you use punishment. And let's use an example of like a choke chain or something like that. You can hurt a dog's neck, mm-hmm. problems with eyes, all sorts of weird and horrible things can happen if you use a choke chain. That seems to be understandable because you're doing it, you you know, you, you, it's a direct outcome of what I've done, the pain. Um, but something that we don't think about too often, I think, is that w- what is your dog associating that with? Um, I think that's a really, really interesting thing to look at because... You know, you might be thinking that, you know, every time a human comes towards you, you yank your dog back on the lead, maybe with a choke chain. And you might think that you're teaching your dog to walk on a loose lead by doing that. But your dog might be associating the sight of that with every human that comes along, you know, and then that will have an emotional response when they start seeing humans. And then the pitfalls further down the line might be your dog starts becoming reactive to human beings. Or it's those things that I think are, are not so well known when it comes to punishment. Plus the fact, you know, that your dog's likely to not not trust you 
when you start doing those things you know um you think you're unpredictable yeah. you know and 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 then there's other pitfalls further down the line with that as well so that I, as a greg wallace moment i thought that was a really good one to put out there because if you're if you're you know if you're if you know someone that might maybe use punishment based techniques or something like that just it's something else you can explain to them which gives them an idea of why not to use it because they can look like they're effective that's my concern sometimes some mm. of these techniques um but the fallout can be humongous further down the line obviously it's humongous straight away as well depending on what you're doing but but um yeah not a lot not a lot of people know that (laughs) i think it's it's kind of the the constraints of what your dog is actually learning isn't it and you're less in control of that Mm. when you're using um aversive methods because you're giving um consequences of of particular things but not really showing them what to do instead i always remember um a horrible story that i heard i think sally told me this story years and years ago um about a dog that had a shock collar on because it used to bark in in the van um and it was in shut in the cab of the van um with its little doggy companion and they were friends and um uh, it was barking, so the owner zapped the collar, and the dog laid into the other dog. Mm. Two disastrous consequences. Yeah. And um, you kind of think, okay, with other humans, we can't fathom why <laughs> humans yeah. act a certain way sometimes. But at least we can explain it with language, whereas we can't do that with with dogs. Yeah. Um, and you know, they can be the the disastrous consequences. Yeah. I think, um, who is it who said, I think it might have been Jordan, actually. Jordan Shelley might have said this. Or I might be quite misquoting him, him. But um, he said, quite often there's only one thing you're trying to stop, but there's loads of things you can teach as an alternative yeah. to those. So, you know, the options are massive and wide and vast of, you know, of all the things you can teach. So why, you know, why focus on the thing that's going to get misunderstood? Yeah. It seems really, it does seem crazy when you think about it, doesn't Indeed. it? Indeed. Especially when that thing is often very normal dog behaviour. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I always try and explain it in the ways that maybe we can understand in our own species and think, you know, if you're going to a restaurant with toddlers, you pack a bag full of stuff, mm. colouring pencils. Muzzles. Yeah, muzzles. <laughs> Duct tape. <laughs> Harnesses and leads and <laughs> long lines and filled kongs. Filled I haven't got children, banana. ladies and gentlemen. No, I haven't got children either. Um, and we're showing our... Oh, tog- toddler-based ignorance now, but <laughs> the point I was trying to badly make was, that, you know, yeah, just go into you these prepare situations yourselves. prepared. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like Nat's analogies. We should have a section on Nat's analogies because oh, you're good at that. No, you're some at- of them are really bad. I've seen you. I've seen you go for it on the old um, one-to-ones on occasions where you, where you bring up really nice ways of bridging that. Oh, thanks, that man. I feel good. like I get lost in my analogies sometimes. And I generally I forget try and why... steal them as well. Oh, okay, that's fine. I ca- yeah, you can't copyright. That's fine. <laughs> so there you go, Greg Wallace moment. Um, two really, really good ones there. Um, but there is loads throughout the book. Indeed. So, you know, loads of reasons to go and buy it. If you've got the book, you could let us know your wow moment along with oh, that'd be nice. your um, kind of knowledge of Greg Wallace as well, please. <laughs> Post some Greg Wallace memes on our Facebook page. That'd be great. <laughs> okay, so we have a wonderful interview coming up with the lovely Karen Wilde. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit from her 
website here. Boom. Now, bear with me. We'll stick links in the show notes to her website, the book yeah. on Amazon, all of that good stuff as well. So, so have a look at the show notes. There's lots of acronyms here. There is. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm making. I'm going to try and yeah. I'm gonna Most tr- of them you're a member of, in fairness. So I know. I thought well, it'd be easier for you. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, okay, so Karen is a certificated clinical animal behaviourist (CCAB), animal behaviour and training council clinical animal behaviourist (ABTCCAB), and a full member of the Association of Pet Behaviour Counsellors (APBC). She's also an ABTC registered animal training instructor and a graduate member of the British Psychological Society (MBPSS). Whew. Oh, I did it. I also, I, I also know that she's recently joined an, a new accreditation scheme called the um, Fellowship of Animal Behaviour Clinicians, FABCA. FABCA. Yes. Oh, I like that. Um, so we one, need more acronyms in yes, dog training. Yes, we need more. more. <laughs> Always more. Um, Karen is a very busy lady and she does lots and lots of um, uh, private client work, also speaking engagements, and um, she is uh, a writer so she writes on dog behavior and training for dogs today pet product marketing pets international dogs monthly pet gazette and pet focus um, she's written three best-selling books on training and behavior published by hamlin translated into several languages worldwide she's also a guest blog writer for dr ian dunbar's revolutionary website dog star daily oh, really? yeah, yeah. Um, she also does lots of lecturing engagements i've seen her speak um at the APBC annual conference as well. And she's just an all-round lovely, lovely, knowledgeable, supportive and um, brilliant lady. Good egg, isn't she? Yeah. She's a good egg. Um, yeah. She also, she also had a band. Oh, yeah, she's really cool as well. <laughs> she's in a band, she's <laughs> martial arts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she doesn't sleep. We'll no. talk about that, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, Karen, I hope I've done you justice in your introduction there. Um, well, I think I put my posh reading voice on and everything. You did. So. It was very, very good. Felt <laughs> like I was in a lecture for a second. <laughs> right, let's get into okay, it. Okay, let's listen. already started recording because i do the old um uh oh, okay you know the kind of guided in bit i quite like that it's quite always good but this is going to be a bit of a weird one because you're the first person that we uh kind of know yeah well i, I kind of know you and that really knows you yeah we do know each other yeah yeah, yeah so it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a i don't know whether to go into professional mode or not <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. being a dog being a dog I scroll, yeah. It's a great book. It's awesome. I remember reading it. Um, it came out. We were looking, wasn't it? 2016? Yeah, yeah. 2016. And you yeah, came to talk. Now. I can't remember when you came to speak to us. It was, it was like, it, yeah, The book had come out then, hadn't it? Because it, it was what we were talking um, about. I Do you think remember? I might have come out. Be- I think I might have come to speak to you before as well. And a, then yeah. later on I did because I did a presentation about about the book. Um as well as sort of, we did some more special specialised yeah, things, we didn't did. we? Do? Yeah, frustration um, and things like that, which is always really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't. 
I'm not saying they don't spot it, they do, but they don't always know what the impact of it is or the fact that it can be useful in some instances and then in others it can be really tricky. But um, so, yeah, being a dog is more sort of really for sort of general population and um, trying to filter down what we know to people because as as I'm sure you know, you know, there's an awful lot of materials out there, um, not always in book form, obviously, but the most important thing is that we sort of spread for me for spread that information to people who you know who are interested who want to know who want to learn that don't have the kind of time that we have as as pros where we're kind of immersed in it all the time and so um you know it's not my research it's not my um you know results it's okay here's what we found out here's what people are telling us now let's collect it into a format that people can relate to um and it was the publisher's idea to do it from the dog's perspective which i thought at the time was a little bit what what do you mean because it's worded from the dog's point of view like your your owner might do this And, and i was kind of like thinking well actually they are the they as a as a publisher they they know what people are asking for and they know what people are looking for in terms of communication and all that so I thought actually that's not a bad idea so Mm. yeah I'd love to say it was my idea it wasn't but I think it it, for me it it made it an easier job because if you really wanted to sit down and talk to your dog and I mean you know and have it returned obviously um wouldn't we want to know that you know so yeah so I I enjoyed doing it It was a big it's a big task but it was good fun was it tricky doing it from the from the dog's perspective in terms of you have to always sort of like look back on everything you've written and make sure that oh my god (laughs) No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I think because we're normally. I think most of the people that I know that work in our profession have great empathy, mm. and so putting yourself in another one's position is not that difficult. I don't think. And so being able to kind of go, well, what, what's that dog thinking right now? Is part of what we do, yeah. you know. Um, so no, not particularly. But I did. There were some things you had to steer away from because it could sound a bit, a bit twee and a bit naive if you're not careful. Yeah you know a little bit like disneyfied and that wasn't the un- the intention wasn't about that it was about trying to speak in a voice of an animal that has you know uh that, that has a right to things you know has a right to being respected has a right to being understood so uh, yeah well you know we 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 got some lovely feedback and um you know there was uh, some great people helped me with it as well you know and supported me writing it so that was fantastic like ian dunbar did a really nice quote for it and dr susan friedman helped me with her section and wow. you know uh, patricia mcconnell those they were just wonderful because everyone wants to kind of convey what they you know here's this bit what about this and we're all super geeks aren't we Let's yeah it. <laughs> it's lovely when everyone comes together when the whole community comes together for something i love that yeah yeah i think so um and it's you know I was always a bit shy about asking people, especially yeah. some people that you kind of really revere, and they're just like, "Yeah, no problem." Yeah. Like, wow, <laughs> I know. Well, well, that's what we're finding firsthand doing this podcast. We're yeah. like, "Oh my god, these people want to talk to us. It's amazing." Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I think we're nice guys generally, aren't we? I'd like to oh, think. Oh yeah. So, you know, yeah. I think that it's kind of, um, we, you know, we we all, we all care about things, and sometimes we can get really passionate about stuff. But generally, I think we're all pointing in the right direction. Well, yeah, and that's what collaborative working's all about, isn't it? It's about us all working towards the greater good. I can't say it without that accent because of um, Hot Fuzz. In Hot Fuzz, they're all about... (laughs) I love that film so much. And a great big bushy beard. (laughs) I love that film. Um, well, I went to go and pick up my my, um, my copy of uh, Being a Dog to bring along tonight, and I've lent it to someone. 
that just got a puppy. So I hope you're oh, pleased oh. about that. So I am very. It's Thank like you. I run a little sort of nat library for some of my clients and friends. So and oh, yours good. is the one of the first ones that I always lend and say, come back to me when you've read oh, that. Really? You can have the next oh, one. Yeah, that's terrific. I mean, that's great. Thank you. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons that we put it together. Um, so it's nice that it's serving a purpose and also with the illustrations in it I think that's there are some I mean there's loads of amazing dog books out there and I mean I've got you you probably can't see if I angle my camera a little bit you can probably see some of them behind me just up there yeah and I've got the same up here so there's loads and and um (laughs) ranging from you know the really old Barbara Woodhouse right up to the modern day and I've just ordered Ken Ramirez's new book on on dog training I can't wait to get that so that's coming oh has he got a new Um, one out I didn't even know about that yeah Yeah, it's literally just come out um Mm-hmm. We'll have to go yeah on. that's that's one that you just kind of go <laughs> oh, you know straight in yeah. um but some books are aimed at different audiences so they're lots of you know very interesting uh anecdote based not many images very interesting like stories and things you read through there and then other things that you want people to dip in and out of and mine was kind of more aimed at that because you want people to just go oh i've seen an illustration that immediately conveys oh that's what it is you know and we all we all learn differently so it was hard work trying to put some of the stuff into pictures. The I illustrations bet. are brilliant. They're, I love yeah, them. I love, that's the that's the thing that really makes it stand out for me. All of those, all of those little tables, and uh, it's it's really really good. It was so that, so tricky. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Like it was probably harder than writing it, wasn't it? For me, it is because I tend to put things into words rather than I'm not particularly visual. Um, so to try and convey that to someone who's an artist. Um, you kind of like, well, I sort of want to have this in it, you know, but <laughs> yeah. actually that the artists that, that they use was amazing. They're just going, Oh, right. I get it. But, but, but put it, put it out there. So that's why you employ somebody who's really good at that. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, so that, that helped. And when, you know, we didn't really need to do many adjustments to the majority of them because they got it straight away. Well, all- I think they're great. I mean, when you look at the things that get shared massively and really kind of help people to have that eureka moment about their dogs, it's things like the lily chin diagrams mm. and, right. you know, infographics yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you're just sat there in your board on your phone and something pops up, it's a lot easier than sitting there reading a blog sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. And can I just say, Lily, I mean, we all, obviously, I say we all know her, we must know, but um, she she's done one of my logos for me and she's amazing to work with and um she just puts the emotion straight into the image yeah yeah like i don't know anyone that can do that like she does like she just is amazing amazing she really inspired me when i did the illustrations for jack and billy i i I was looking to get to those sort of heights failing miserably but you know that was (laughs) it was you're exactly right it's so simple and just those little facial expressions with hardly any it's, I don't know how she does it. That fairness. one yeah. with the, all of the emotions or like how your dog yeah. is feeling. It's just, it's amazing. I'd yeah. love to well, get I to had, draw. I had, you know, in this job, you meet some incredible people. And I met somebody through a, a, a science forum uh, about two or three weeks ago who works with human expression. So you will have seen the charts of like human expression where everything's labelled. Yeah. You know, yeah. H1, H2, whatever, this is a frat. And it's the, the tiniest parts. Well, there are dog versions of that, again, as you probably know. So we were, we were talking about, um, oh, this is super geeky, sorry, but it <laughs> no, really is interesting. I have to try it. It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, if you look up what the dogs do and what, say, compare it to human, the human chart, um, they're quite similar, but then there's obviously specific differences because there's anatomical differences. Then we got onto the conversation about, well, you know, 
if your uh, part of your face moves in a certain way, that conveys a certain emotion. And you can say that with a dog as well. And that's how we categorize things. So if we're trying to explain what the dog's facial expression is, we would categorize it in those terms. And the same with humans, which is what they work with. We started talking about acting. And he was saying that because I said, oh, well, so actors are kind of lying, are they? And he said, no, they actually believe what mm. they're saying so that their faces Match. operate in the way that they, you know, their emotions are coming out. And it's not quite as blunt as that. Obviously, there's a lot more to it. But I was thinking that's why when you watch a film with a dog actor in it, it doesn't look right, does it? No, because the dog's yeah. not experiencing the emotion of yeah. the scene. They're just sitting there because someone's telling them to. And I'm not a fan of like films with dog actors in for various reasons, but that's one of them. It's kind of like, oh, the, he's looking at the trainer out of shot. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. so it's just from that, you know, from that little conversation about facial expression, we ended up talking about acting. We ended up doing that. So something I'm writing about at the moment is, you know, why dogs can't act. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. I was um I was reading something the other day. Uh, Clive Wynn, someone who's been on the podcast previously, was uh, writing about how humans are really good at picking up um, uh, uh, dog facial expressions mm. in terms of emotions. Apart from there was a cut, I can't remember the two. I think it was frustration was one we weren't that good at picking up on, and that had something to do with the fact that there are anatomical differences because of the mm. ears and things along those lines. I think frustration. There's another one. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up and do a bit of fact checking. Yeah, but... and humans of a certain age as well, because we know that the younger younger people can't pick up certain things. They'll misinterpret. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, quite why that is. I, I don't, you know, I mean, there's lots of reasons why that might be, but it's certainly something that when we're trying to work with an with an owner and their family that we need to be aware of, don't we? Because yeah. um, yes, people aren't unaware, but they maybe either misinterpret it or interpret it in a way that fits their. Like you say, their human outlook, and that's not always particularly helpful. Um, and then they feel really guilty when they realise that that wasn't what was going on. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. but that's part of our counselling skills, isn't it? To try and sort of let them down gently, be really nice <laughs> yeah. about it. Say, well, you didn't know, you know, the information's there, but how many times do you get that put in front of you? Very rarely. But like you go, just going back to like Lily's infographic style and the way that that comes across, it just is instantly there, isn't it? Everyone can relate to it straight away. It's brilliant. Yeah. We'll stick a link to some of those. Uh... Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah do. As long as I think notes. they're still able to be, hers are still able to be downloaded as long as you sign up, which I think is yeah, yeah. fair, yeah. fair do. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, of course. There's, there's a couple of bits of your book that I, I wanted to go into a little bit in depth because um, these are questions that I get asked all the time. And one of those was about um, dogs' eyesight. I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions about how dogs see. I, I still hear a lot of the time that dogs see in black and white. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. And... Well, you know, that's... Well, I, you don't want to come across as being like this all knowing because I'm certainly not, but that, you know, there's a lot of information out there again that people just haven't accessed for various reasons. I mean, until it becomes relevant, why do you need to know something like that? So yeah. I think the first thing is people just don't, why do you need to know? You know, well, the other one is dogs can't look up. Have you heard that? Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever lived with uh, my Jack Russell who chases aeroplanes. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she can. <laughs> she can odd, certainly it's look up. Odd thing to say, but anyway, no, that's what comes to you, and you get this sort of popular opinion. But, but I think um, if I'm doing like a, a speaking engagement, so it's one of the questions I ask, and I've asked it for a long time. You know, okay, try not to lead the audience because I don't want them to feel like fools or anything. But you know, can you know, can dogs see in color? Or do, do how many of us here think dogs can see in black and white? What colors can they see? And I, I would ask it better than that. But um, people still put their hand up and say, 
oh yeah black and white isn't it black and white you know and then yeah. you explain that no they, they do see color but they just don't see they don't have the same receptors in their eyes like we do so they'll you know they sort of it's equivalent to someone with like red green color blindness although again you've got to be careful when you're making comparisons because sure. sight isn't their primary sense as a general rule anyway so you know as human beings we might very much focus on that idea of oh well if they can't see then they can't experience but how would we know what it's like to have a nose like a dog has or a cat has you know we've got no concept of that so it's kind of quite ignorant that we only think in the visual but having said that what i've found over the years now is that more and more people are getting savvy so if i ask that question now either they think i'm going to try and catch them out <laughs> in which case they kind of don't answer but no usually they'll go no I, I no they don't see in black and white do they but and then they don't quite know yeah the rest of it um so i think what we what we always have to do well what i always try and do is relate that bit of information to what it means to someone who's looking after a dog so and what it means to the dog themselves so just coming back to that thing about from the dog's perspective does it matter have they got any concept of what it's like to see in other colors no, no. it's just like birds you know and other animals and, and creatures will see in other colors that we don't have any concept of you know or they have other senses that we have no concept of so i like to put that across you know because i think that it, I mean, we don't even know what other human beings experience. I was going to say that. How do, we know, how do we know what we're all calling green? We're seeing the same anyway. Right. You know, it's right. so oh, different, that, that isn't it? Yeah, that, but then, then you end up going down a bit of a rabbit hole and yeah. getting all flustered. Yeah, but isn't that great? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's you know, the kind of conversation where you're just sitting there going, well, okay, what if? You know, yeah. we, all, we all get so so sort of nerdy about it. But, um, you know, so it's it's about that that focus of, of you know, well, well, that, yeah, anatomically, there's this difference here. What does that actually mean? Well, what it might mean is that if you're spending an awful lot of money going, oh, I must get colourful toys. Yeah. Well, who is it who's marketing to yeah. whom? You know, and yeah. those kinds of things people realise then. And then one of the um, images that I've got is of a um, um, a takeaway food like McDonald's. And it's very obviously bright red, bright yellow, the classic colours. But as soon as you take away that red, it just looks really murky and brown and disgusting. And everyone's like, oh, I probably wouldn't buy it if it weren't for the packaging. Yeah. You see what I mean? Good point. Yeah, yeah, really good So, point. you know, so the, so again, from a human point of view, we're being quite sort of self-centred, I suppose, and thinking about it from our point of view. So the lesson is about that. Does that make sense? Completely. Totally. And I, uh, talking about marketing... There are some foods where they're adding colour additives to it, and that is purely for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Think, you know, trying to make us think that we need that variation and that a colouring provides that. Yeah. <laughs> but, right, um... and and the same thing with shape. I mean, I I just um I bought the same brand of food that I normally get for my dogs, and they've changed the shape. So. I was looking at it thinking, well, is it this? First of all, I checked the bag. Did I buy the wrong one? You know, because I bought this for like nearly a year now. So yeah. I bought the bag. And I've got older dogs. They have to have special sorts of food. So I was kind of, I want to make sure I've given them the right one. Uh, no, it's exactly the same. They've just changed it into star shapes instead of sort of little blobby kibble shapes. And I was thought, well, who's that for? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. it's, it's fed on weight. So it's not about that. It's not necessarily a, it's not a dental food. So it's not for that kind of getting in between the teeth and it's not marketed as such. It's literally just because people might like stars for change. Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but or it's Or they really go in odd. and make their dog food after Cadbury's Milky Way stars. <laughs> 
could be, couldn't it? <laughs> anything. Well, you know, we are, we are. I mean, I write for, as you, as you know, I write for lots of magazines. One of the ones I write for is um, Pets International, which um, we talk about the international market for pet products usually, mm. and what are the new trends and those sorts of things. Pet food is a massive part of that market, but it's the people buying it. So as long as it's reasonably palatable. That used to be the thing. Now it's you know, how, is it ethically sourced? Is it sustainable? Yeah. Yeah. What sort of pro? What sort of protein is it? You know, I don't get into that too much because I think you know that's for people who are trained in nutrition, and mm. I'm I'm not. But I mean, to a point, I know what it's about. But ultimately, it's that person in front of their dog. You know, how convenient is it? What is it? What does it look like? What color is it? As you say, that's those things affect you know affect it, and and you know you can get away with it more than cats. I think with dogs because they'll eat a lot more yeah. range of things <laughs> totally. pretty much anything with some dogs oh, so yeah yeah my dogs would eat anything i think you do feed them anything i do you? feed them anything i feed them what, whatever i get sent for free <laughs> well yeah there is that yeah yeah so um I've yeah got, so I've got an interesting fact actually let me throw this mm. in here um because if i if i do find i've got an interesting fact it makes me feel really good okay good. um i think it, you because it's to do with cone receptors isn't it in the eye of to how many colors you can see i believe that's right different um, types of cell yeah mm. and uh i think the the animal that can see the most uh is called the mantis shrimp i believe uh, okay. that's right i only know this because i listen to another podcast called radio lab that's brilliant it's an absolutely awesome podcast i recommend it to anyone out there and they did a whole um episode on colors uh and there was a little section on the mantis shrimp that can see right into like the ultraviolet range and right the other way what's the other way from ultraviolet x i don't know anyway but yeah yeah the mantis shrimp apparently so that's they the got one more that can cones than rods more cones than rods yeah is that they the way must it works? Do. yeah well, what you've got because to remember is, that, is their is their eye and the anatomy of their eye anything like, like a human or a no, bird or not, a dog, and and what is their processing system like after that? You know, what does their brain process and why? You know, why do they need that? Well, they'd need that because of the environment they live in, presumably. So, mm. like that concept is just, you yeah. know. I like it's a bit like that that idea that that philosophical idea of like if you could talk actually talk to a lion I think is is the example like you wouldn't be able to understand them because they live in such a different world from us I love that idea it's a really nice idea How yeah well yeah. yeah yeah there's no common ground is there or well, hardly any especially well, from a mantis shrimp well, unless, well, <laughs> well, unless the lion is going to eat you and you're the victim yeah, yeah. <laughs> be fairly common ground there it's just begging that would be I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other thing, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was barking. I think um, barking is one of the things that I um, I get called to a lot of cases of dogs that bark at things. And again, another misunderstood behaviour. And in your book, there's a, there's a lovely little section. There's a, well, there's a whole talking dog section and how, how mm. they communicate, which is fantastic as well. But I wondered if you could just go through a little bit about reasons why dogs bark, why they might be barking, what, you know, what, what purpose it serves sometimes. Oh, you know, I mean, it's it's really interesting. I was, um, as like you, I mean, I do get cases for barking, but generally, um, and this is the interesting thing, generally the people have a pretty good idea what the barking is for. Yeah. They don't like the noise though. So no. if the dog is, the interesting thing about this is that if the dog isn't making a noise, they could still be experiencing whatever emotion it is and that could be an unpleasant emotion. Yeah. But if they're not making a noise, then people don't respond to that. So they, you know, so whilst dogs use barking for communication, you know, if they see something um, exciting, they're frustrated, they may be alerting, you know, and there is research to say that people, even people who don't own dogs can actually interpret that correctly um, to a point, you know, then... Um, 
then I think that, that that's one side of it. And we know, okay, well, do you understand when they make the noise? But there's also, what if they're experiencing the emotion behind it that's creating that? Yeah. Um, are you actually aware of what's going on anyway? And are you just responding to the noise? And on the whole, if you get called to a case, as you might well think that they're responding to the noise because the neighbours complained yeah. or because they're, you know, they're constantly doing it. But there could be, you know, a number of reasons why that dog is creating that sound. Yeah. Um, so going back to what I normally do with clients when I look at that is, yes, in in the understanding that we know that you know they don't just have one bark you know they're barking for various reasons and and it's coming out sounding slightly differently um there must be a cause behind that so then we're looking at the causes for that barking because that's what we then try and work with in behavior isn't it that's what we're looking for um and you you know when you train a dog to bark you know again going back to the dog actors thing you train a dog to speak on command or whatever it was we used to call it and it's a very kind of different sort of no emotion bark if yeah. you listen to yeah. it next time that's kind of like yeah that doesn't what does that mean that means i'm doing this because you just taught me yeah. to go huh like that yeah. <laughs> and, it's um, like us going but, words <laughs> yeah shout shout you know shout 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 so um i think uh just going back to what you're saying i, I there several other emotions behind these noises that they're making when we did the um, sound patterns for the books some of the illustrations yeah um i recorded my own dogs doing various things and then put it through like a, a sound you know sound wave thing so you could see what it looks like and even then if you just look at the pattern you can see if it's short and sharp you can yeah. see if it's a drawn out there's growling in there as well um and um uh, you know the anatomy of those is entirely different for each one so it's hardly surprising that we can understand the emotion behind it but where it comes on to the useful part again is okay so what am I going to do about this you know because it's a perfectly normal thing to do isn't it to kind of be startled is a normal thing yeah you know or to try and say to someone hurry up hurry up hurry up which in a dog's case might be throw the ball or it might be I don't know you you know mm. so it's kind of like those are all reasonable things um and at what point do we have to work on it and go, well, actually, that's probably too much. <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't need you to do it quite as often as that. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So um, so I, I, I must say, as soon as someone says barking, I'm always straight in with, you know, should we keep a diary? Let's look at what can you yeah. list for me? It might just take a day if you've got a particularly vocal dog, <laughs> um, you know, but let's let's have a let's have a list of every time. And my questions are always who, what? maybe you don't know why who what why you think where when and that way we can interpret all of those things without having to someone to say to you well it sounds like this it's really interesting as well because um it kind of goes around to the uh, another point in your book about how we communicate with dogs as well um and the sort of noises that we use I remember in um, is it uh, it's Patricia McConnell's book, isn't it? The yeah. Other, the other end of the leash, where she yeah. done a, she done a similar thing with the graphics of how different trainers yeah. across the world speak to their dogs. Yeah. So so Trisha helped me with that section of the book oh, as really? well because wow. yeah because obviously some of the illustrations are hers and so I had to obviously speak with her and make sure I got her permission. Um, yeah, her research is amazing. And you know the the really interesting thing about that is that there is some theory behind there being universal rules of sound um and about short sharp sounds being generally communicative of something and high pitched noises generally being communicative of alert noises and a low grumble is a generally a threatening sound and that applies to loads of different species so um so it's not really surprising that we have that with dogs that we've lived with for many many thousands of years um 
but also the interesting part about, I'm not sure if I talked about it in the book, but about dog trainers. Have you read that bit about how they use the universal language to yes. communicate with dogs as well yeah. that, that Trisha did? Wow, that's just brilliant, isn't it? I've got, you know, I've got or, a bit of um, evidence of that. When I started, because you'll know this, Nat, when I started at Scallywags and Nat already worked there, this is where me and Nat met, we worked at the same training school. Um, I, I, I quickly learned that high-pitched, the more high-pitched noises the dogs were more responsive to them really, really quickly. Because when I, when I rolled in you with my boring You were the only bloke, were you, on a, yeah, on a <laughs> all-women team? And all the dogs were really responsive to us. Yeah. And he's like, come oh, here, None dog of them here. love me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, um, Sally, uh, Sally, who uh, owned it at the time, her husband, Don, whenever he used to be, he used to be out doing like one-to-one agility stuff. And his voice was so high. like, hey, the dog is yeah, like, I used to, lo- I used I used to, to love, love listening him. to yeah. him train yeah. his dog. Yeah. That, I, we had... Sorry, I was going to say we had a lovely, just thinking about that, sorry to interrupt you, but it just suddenly clicked in my head a memory of uh, when I was first starting out as a dog training assistant all those years ago. Um, and we had a chat with a, a lovely Doberman and he could not get that Doberman to come back and he really struggled with it. And it would just go off, you know, having a look round. And it was quite a, a, you know, it was a very happy little dog. You know, it was very sort of bouncy and cheerful, you know, and it was go off and bouncing around the field. And he couldn't get that dog to come back. And then one week he came in and he went, I've sorted it. And we were just looking at him going, okay. And he didn't, he just put his hand to his mouth and went, oh, (laughs) and that dog shot back to him. So it just bears out. I mean, obviously we don't know. Every dog is slightly different, but yeah, that the high pitched sound thing. Careful you do it as well. Cultural appropriation. (laughs) Yeah, do you know I mean, you, you know, well, this is it. But I think it's... Depends I mean, how much another... you want your dog back. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's another trainer that I, I forget his name, but he puts on a really, what he calls a goofy voice, which is kind of yeah. like, hello, blah, 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 like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's yeah. the most brilliant cartoon voice you've ever heard. And he just sticks into this falsetto and the dogs are like, oh, you're amazing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, you can still train them to understand other sound. I mean, and of they course, will still yeah. respond to it. You don't have to do that. But it, as, a, as a kind of emotional response, I would... I would imagine. I just love the kind of the wiggly emotional response when you go when you're having a silly moment with your yeah, dog, and, and I just can't help it. Fun frame of mind as well, which I think you know is always helpful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, some dogs may not respond particularly well to it. It no. depends, really, doesn't it? Because yeah. there could be a learned factor to it. But um, but I think in in general terms, you might say in the old you know old school dog training, you know, you lift your voice for various things and you change your voice tone for others. Now we know as long as it's a cue yeah. and as long as you've taught yeah. it and the dog recognises it, doesn't make that much difference, but that's not the point. You know, we might pick a whistle as a high-pitched noise and they're more likely to respond to that, but is that because it stands out? You know, so there's lots of lots and lots of um, sort of reasons why we might choose something like that. But on the bottom line, again, going back to that research, what do we choose to do? What do other trainers choose to do? Oh, it's really similar. Yeah, so, you know, there's something in that, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. I always wonder how we will, because when, when they when they do those studies and you get it back from all the way across the world and everyone's doing the same thing, I wonder mm. how we all arrived at that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously it'd be nice to study every country. Obviously, I don't yeah. think um, Patricia was able to do that, but, uh, but certainly just, you know, asking the question i think shows yeah. something yeah what do you do what do you do you know facial expressions are all quite similar across different cultures but not every culture but generally there's some research very old now but psychology um, research psychological research where they ask people from all sorts of really remote places to go what would you what sort of face would you pull if yeah. you know and there was something like what if i think it was something like so i could be completely wrong but i remember this something like if you came across a rotting carcass of a pig 
and what what face they would pull and then they recorded that face you know so there's yeah. these great photos in the old textbooks about these people going oh you know, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> so, yeah. i don't know if you know this nat as well um so karen uh, before i knew karen i actually had listened to she had a podcast Back in the day, were you a fanboy? Yeah. yeah, well, no, I, I didn't know. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't put two and two together. But I used to listen to your the Wild Poor podcast, wasn't it? It was called. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's years right. ago, years ago, and I re- and it was brilliant. I used to love it, absolutely love it. So you you were one of the pioneers of dog podcasting. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, you definitely were. Oh, it's what twenty twelve? I think the last time we yeah. did that. Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, that was a largely down to, I was doing a lot of work with John Buskell, the other presenter at the yep. time. Um, and he's absolutely amazing producer. And he just sort of said, you know, we, he has um, facet hands and I was very, very interested in, and he's a trainer himself, but he doesn't do that now. But, um, you know, we'd have these great discussions about various things. And we were like, you know, what, it would be really nice to kind of have something out there in these new podcast format that was new then. I mean, now it's just everywhere, isn't it? Um and we'd basically get together and have a good old chat about things. And yeah. then I got to interview some amazing people on that, you know, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's still listed, funnily enough. I was thinking about it the other day, thinking, oh, is it a little bit out of date now? Maybe I should take it down. But I think I'll leave it up because it's quite um, it's quite lighthearted. It's quite fun. But there were some interesting people on there. Um, and I might go I've back and have a listen. Yeah, I well, listened there's... the other day um, because someone that you've had on yours, no spoilers out here, that we're hopefully going to get on our podcast. So oh, I right. listened to okay. that particular episode da, da, da. just the other day. So, yeah, it's really good. Oh, you can tell me who that was off air then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Got Nat, but, yeah. thanks for that one. Yeah. Got a and scoop. The other thing is, <laughs> well, you know, we, we all have this kind of interest in similar things. Um, I think that we can communicate that quite well because we work with people, but getting it out to a wider audience, there's lots of different ways of doing it. And I think that was one of the ways that I felt like, you know, well, this is a way that we could get some information out there. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's, it's quite, it's quite good fun to just have a chat and record it. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. that's yeah. really interesting. It doesn't have to be a formal setup. It can be nice and informal. And I think you get the best from people when you're, you know, when you're more informal and just totally you know, agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just well, what do you think about this? And they might give you an opinion, you know. And it, and I think we're all fairly chatty people as well, don't you? I mean, I certainly am. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's nice to, because you know, most of us work on our own, don't we? So mm. when we then do get together and have a good old geek out, it's, it is really good. You think, oh, I read this the other day. What do you think about that? Or oh, I don't know. Is it, it? Could you apply it? How would you apply it? And that's how we've kind of tried to structure the podcast, haven't we? So yeah. that people can go away with listening to us wang on a bit um but also hopefully buy some new books for their bookshelf and um you know yeah add a bit of knowledge um yeah about and shared experience you yeah. know and the, the more we share experience it turns out that a lot of us have had similar experiences and and you know it can be quite isolating like you say not that you said this but we do work alone so that could be quite isolating mm. or you could sort of feel like um am i making a difference here is anything is anything changing well actually over the years i've been in in um in dog training and in pet behavior generally i've seen huge changes but because we're in the in the boat and it's very slow moving you don't yeah. always notice but just talking about what we used to do even like five years ago has moved on yeah. hugely 
huge and certainly since I started like 20 odd years ago things have just changed entirely I mean the dogs are still pretty much the same aren't they they're kind of looking at us going well why didn't you say this this long but actually we did know an awful lot about them we just probably have done more research and, and sort of shown it a bit more as well um, which has been very important because it's also helped to dispel an awful lot, hasn't it? You know, yeah. Kind of yeah. the dark days of, of uh, sort of punishment-based training. And so um, podcasts are really good for when you're when you're in the car, you know, if you're driving or if, you know, I, I tended to listen to them with one ear in and one ear out when I'm walking the dogs sometimes. So I've got yeah. my eye on the dogs, but I've got my ear on the podcast as well. And then I'm still taking on information, but I'm also, you know, having a nice walk, doing things for the dog, making sure they're nice and healthy um and come back and and then i can get on with my other work do you know what i mean so i like the format i think it's really useful are you still uh playing bass in the band oh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i was humming along to lost leader the other day oh we, do you uh, like lost leader yeah we okay. you um we used it on uh, the other podcast that i did um the bark and mad show we, we had it on the end of one of our um because we put music on that one as well yeah it's a i know um, <laughs> so that was that was my band burning code so what happened with that um last year at the start of last year um paul um who's the singer who's amazing vocal amazing vocal um Paul Archer so he's Ian Archer's brother who's the songwriter who's won loads of awards and stuff and you know they're both really talented um so he had to move back to Ireland so we couldn't um obviously can't gig with a band that the singer's not there um at the same time I was invited to join Bouquet of Dead Crows which is a different Mm -hmm. band um and who I knew fairly well but not not had not played with them or anything so we went and jammed for a few sessions and then so I joined them last year so we've got um a load of new music for you now. So you, can uh, you need that. to send me um, some stuff. I will, I will. Yeah. yeah, we're on Spotify. We've already recorded... Well, I've obviously got lots of albums out already from past projects, but um, we've just been in the studio. This sounds really weird on a doggy podcast, doesn't it? But <laughs> anyway, we've just been in the studio recording the next album and then we've got the rest of it recording this year. But, you know, you, although my life is mostly consumed by my job and I love it, I also really like doing other things and playing bass is one of those things that I absolutely love. And I, you know, you've got friends in all sorts of different arenas then, you know, so I've got lots of friends in bands and stuff and uh, yeah, you know, um, it's, it's another big part of what I do, but I haven't, you know, someone said to me the other day, Oh, the word on the street is they went, you've, you've left, you've left dog training and you're, you're in a band now. And I, said, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't left, you know, I haven't left one thing for the other. I wish, you know. Yeah. Everyone's going, do you mean Karen has a hobby that doesn't involve dogs? Yeah, what? What is this? What is what? this nonsense? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know. What, what, what? How can you have a life outside of, so, so generally I don't have a life outside of my business because it's, you know, you know what it's like. Yeah. It's, yeah your baby and that's yeah. everything to you and my dogs are everything to me and my family and you know but I also like other things and then people start asking me how I have the time and I'm like I don't know <laughs> I was just yeah. about to do that I was gonna say do you ever sleep <laughs> yeah. I, I changed my biography on something earlier today because it was really out of date and I just put I'd written at the bottom of it I do sleep but mostly when I sit down <laughs> <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for talking to us it's been a pleasure, as yeah. always. Yeah, my pleasure. It's, it's been really lovely. lovely to talk to you. Yeah. And nice uh, to everyone you needs again. to go out and buy uh, being a dog. Yep. And hopefully you'll be happy with the the bits that we choose. So we'll we'll tag you when we put it up live, um, and we'll put a link so people can go and buy their own copy because it is brilliant, and they should. 
Um, well, a little top tip, because it's been out a little while now. Um, somebody messaged me the other day and um, the works have it at the moment. So oh, you can get they? it for like, yeah, yeah. <gasps> so uh, I know. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to go to Amazon or anywhere. Go and have a look in the works, because if they've got them in there, you'll get you'll get them sort of, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any difference to me if someone wants to get it or they don't want to yeah, get it. But if you're yeah, going to get it yeah. and it's like yeah. four pounds instead of yeah. 15 or whatever it is, then yeah, do it, do it. I would. So yeah. Um, so have a little scout around. Good tip. You heard it here first. Get to the works. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you I don't, so much. I don't work for them. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <In> commission. <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. No, no chance. Well, thank you very much. Um, I'm sure we'll speak soon. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Are you writing another book? I am. I've got. Um, well, I've did. I've done two since being a dog with um, the vet Emma Milne. Do you know Emma? So she, uh, she's amazing. We did. Um, two books together one on dogs and one on cats so oh, yeah uh, those are out um the perfect guide and the perfect guide so they're sort of bullet point books so they're really easy for someone to just sit there and go you know there's a section on this okay this is a sentence on that and then they learned something yeah. so those 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 have been out uh probably about a year now so that's, that's the most recent and then i've got um a book that i uh already serialized with one of the magazines that i write for um for for many years actually um under a different name so uh that one's coming out hopefully end of this year but we'll see Fab. how we go with production yes yeah, it's, it's being edited at the moment which is scary when someone's reading your stuff but yeah it's good. Fine. yeah editing is uh, a very scary moment isn't it <laughs> I, I did a child's book and i found it really really scary yeah, <laughs> you were yeah. saying about the disney uh, for uh, disneyfication is that the word yeah reason? Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, it's very difficult to do that if you're not doing a not to do it if you're doing a kids book. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, true. And and children, I mean, they're the most savvy people out there. Really, they just don't have no filter. So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, yeah, being a dog, everyone, go out and uh, grab yourself a copy of that from the works and other places. Other bookshops are available. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. Take care. Bye. 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 There we have it. Thank Isn't she you. She's lovely. Thank she you so lovely. much, Karen. Brilliant. And actually, we should say that we were we were um, actually doing that over Zoom, which means you can you can see we could see Karen. And she looked like she was in a little professional radio studio. She looked didn't brilliant, she? Didn't she? Yeah, it's yeah. very good. It's very very cool. What a knowledgeable lady. Brilliant. Just awesome. Just awesome. Man. Brilliant. Brilliant. And brilliant. again, I mean, it's a strange, <laughs> it's a strange situation of us knowing her. Because because normally we're, we're you know we don't know the people that we're interviewing do we so that was, I know. was really really nice yeah it was nice. good homely and we managed to talk about things other yeah. than just gossiping that was good wasn't it <laughs> yeah I, I, I really like Karen she's she's um she's a very inclusive lady and you, you know she'll be the first to say that um you know this book is is one of many that are really pushing forward the scientifically evidenced um way of training dogs and so um go out and buy it go out and buy it the <laughs> link, links are going to be on the show notes go out but do go out and buy it because it is a fantastic book it's brilliant she did a little blurb for my book Oh, yeah, she did, didn't Jack she? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales, available at jackandbilly.com. Um, it's funny how you never <laughs> never mention that you've written a book. I might do a special, yeah, we might do a special episode one day. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? we get Sally well, We'd have to get a, a sound clip of Jack Dog yes. and Billy. Yes, there you go. Sally's there Billy and my Jack. So, book slam moment then. Quotes. Um, I've got one here that I think is really 
really good. Um, this is from the section of um, uh, what your what family do you need. So that's talking to the dog, obviously, as we as we talked about before. Um, and there's a brilliant on a brilliant bit about looks and personality where they're talking about how people uh, mostly pick dogs on their looks, or yeah. breed type, like expectations of what you're going to get. Um, and we've discussed this before on the podcast, but the quote is. It has been indicated that there are more differences in characteristics within any single breed than there are between breeds. And I, I've heard that a lot. Um, Hang on, I can't get my head around that. There are more differences. Let me read it again. Let me read yeah. it. Uh, it has been indicated that there are more differences in characteristics within any single breed than there are between Okay, breeds. right, that makes so sense. Char- yeah. like character-wise, yeah. you, you know, there's more differences within a breed type. So say like German Shepherds, there's more differences of character than there is between within the breeds. breeds. Then, yeah. So it goes to show that if you are thinking of getting a dog because you think, you know, a German Shepherd or a Labrador will be a certain type of way, it's not as clear cut yeah. as that. And I think that's really important thing to get out there. We have talked about it before, but when I saw it in here as a quote, I thought, yes, book slam moment. Yeah, excellent. Um, and yeah, uh, just, you know, um, again, if you know anyone's getting a puppy, you know, and, or you can pass that information on, you're thinking about getting a puppy. It's just these little things, these little nuggets of information that we get from these books and the, these amazing people that we can learn from. They all help someone else. They help someone else when they're going out picking a puppy. Um, you know, just, you know, don't always think that it's going to be the way it's always going to be. I think, you know, that idea of the blank slate. Yeah, completely. And I think um, I, I certainly have had quite a few clients where they sort of say, oh, I've had uh, Lassa Apsos all my life and this one, yeah. this one, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that just, that kind of proves that, which is, is really interesting. Um, okay, shall I do my one? Shall I do yeah, my go, 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 okay, go. So I'm going to read you a little section here. Um, and it's uh, along the lane, same ilk, actually. So it's on page 76 and it's the intro says dogs are skilled at changing their behavior to fit their environment which includes their owner humans sometimes compare dogs from one family to the next wondering why they are so different the answer is that each dog changes their behavior to meet the needs of their household Mm. book slam book slam very good the reason I like that is because I do a lot of work, as you know, with um, Stubbington Arc, RSPCA. And um, I, I really like helping with the matchmaking process mm. and what could work that for a particular dog. It's really hard because you see one side of them within the kennel environment and that, that could change, like yeah. the quote says, because of the environment. So um, it's it's great to be able to work with such skilled trainers um that can try and impart that knowledge to the new owners yeah um so i think to anybody hoping to get a rescue dog out there you know find out as much as you can about the existing environment so that you can help to turn that dog to transition and it's not suddenly oh my goodness my whole world's turned upside down it's one of those jobs that i imagine is hugely rewarding but then there's a flip side of it yeah you know my hat is goes off to everyone that works in that industry i think it's selfless and brilliant and the things they do just yeah yeah mind-boggling indeed man-boggling indeed i'm i'm lucky i get to kind of dip in and out which i think is <laughs> the best thing for my sanity because i would burn out very quickly it's like when you've got a friend that's got a child you can five or ten seconds I'm an uncle for ten minutes and then bye <laughs> see you later yeah. i'll leave you the bag of muzzles and... <laughs> cool, cool, thank you. 
So there you go, book slam moments, everyone. Actually, I did, um, I've almost forgot about this. I've got this amazing little book that my mum got me for Christmas, um, knowing that we were going to be doing this podcast. And it's called In Praise of Dogs, published in, let me thumb my way through this. It's very sweet looking. It is very sweet looking. I've just lost the blooming, oh no, I haven't. Here we go. 1948. Wow. This was printed um, by uh, Frederick Muller. Um, it's lovely and basically it's it's little inspirational um, uh, poems and sections that famous writers have written about dogs Um, and I just wanted to read you a little poem because I think this one's brilliant you'll like this one this is a poem by E.V. Lucas um, and it's entitled The Pekingese okay here we go (laughs) The Pekingese adore their ease and slumber like the dead in comfort curled they view their world as one unending bed (laughs) I love I that. I love that. I might try and read something out from this, or you can read something out. Each yeah, there's a really, there's great. a brilliant one by Lord Byron in here as well that I read earlier on. That's, there's, um, but yeah. Very, Do you know what? Doing my research for my PhD. Don't know if I've mentioned I'm doing a PhD. Ahem. Um, yes. I found so many lovely things because I think the sort of general thinking is that everyone was horrible to the dogs. The dark ages, yeah, yeah but yeah, they yeah. really weren't. Some of the writing is just incredible, and so I've got um, another book uh, uh, back there from the thirties, I think, which is basically a positive reward based yeah. dog oh, training yeah. manual. Yeah, there's 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 loads of really good stuff out there. It just so happened that it all went a bit wrong for a while, and then mm. and then hung around for a bit too long. Um, Oh, this is great. Yeah, let's do a bit from this, I think. Oh, there's a Spaniels one. I'm getting carried away now. Like, let's save them, otherwise I'll read them save all now. Save them up, save them up. But it's a great little book. It's lovely. Um, I'll put a little picture of it up. It's really, really cool. Um, so, well, nothing, nothing left to do apart from say goodbye to... Oh, yeah. one other thing. There is one other thing. Um, I, I've struck a deal with a good friend of mine, Grant Sharkey, who is, a, he is an, just an absolutely amazing musician, friend, he brilliant great. guy. We saw him a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah, he did a house show right here, right here at my house. Um, he, plays, he basically plays a double bass um they are funny songs they're heartwarming songs a very comedic streak through all of it um quite political yeah. as well i think it's fair to say yeah um he's got a mission at the moment to write uh two albums a year for 20 years so it's like 40 albums he's trying to write and i think he's on like album 15 at the moment so he's doing really really well and just this this guy is just brilliant and one song in particular a song called grow um is definitely i think on my top 10 song list of all times I'm, I'm privileged enough to say that grant was one of my friends but i asked him i said can we start ending our podcast with the song grow and the reason that i i wanted to do that is because it's about growing as a human being but i think the words where well, you get to listen to them for yourself in a minute but the words really speak to just evolving evolving ideas um coming to terms with the human condition but i think it quite crossovers it's dogs. a beautiful song so it's a beautiful yeah. song so as we say oh bye bye you will hear lovely um grant sharky Lucky singing you. Song, grow. Well done for sorting that out for us, yeah. Steve, though. And um, well, we'll see you all next time. Next, yeah. next time we're talking to uh, Zazzy Todd. We are indeed. Um, so that's going to be absolutely awesome. So we'll see you then. Yep. Have fun. Bye. Bye. Sounds collide, ourselves divide, just like they've always done. 
end of a line that stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down, you know, it grows. For feet, for seed, our genes compete. This war is never won. Numbers increase for reason and peace are mass as one with strong. And where opposition exists, it's our duty to persist, resist and fight and defend till the end, another's right to all this, this A wish, a kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep